have your way in this service today. Uh, come on, why don't we lift up our voice in this place this morning. Uh, God, we love you. Amen. Come on, let's praise him together. Come on, let's love him together. We praise you, Jesus. Come on, talk to him for a little bit right now. We love you, Jesus. We praise your name, Jesus. Come on, lift your hands, lift your voice. Oh, we need you, Jesus. Come on, talk to him. Talk to him. Tell him you love him. Come on, how many needs him to speak to you this morning? Lord, I love you, Jesus. I need you right now, God. Come on, we praise and magnify your name, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, that's it. Keep on praising him a little bit. Keep on loving him a little bit right now. We love you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, you're so good. You're so good. Amen. Amen. Aren't you thankful to be in the house of the Lord today? Amen. God is so good. We're, we're honored to be here and, and uh, excited about what God is doing and very appreciative of being a part of his kingdom. Amen. I do believe God gave me something specifically for you all and um, I just want to obey the Lord it is so good to see Sister Fraser <laughs> amen amen friends for many many years amen we love them so much her and her husband the family uh, precious people and we're honored that they're here today. All of, all of you, amen. Glad to see each and every one of you, amen. And uh, just believe in God to do a great work today. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John chapter 1. Give honor to my family. I appreciate my wife and kids and their support and their love and uh, their prayers. Amen. I appreciate it so much. your pastor love your first lady amen precious people the family I appreciate them so much Jonah chapter 1 amen Jonah chapter 1 amen Jonah did I say John earlier oh I'm sorry I got the first three letters right amen Jonah chapter 1 Amen, amen. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. For their wickedness is come up before me. Everybody say, But Jonah. He rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going into Tarshish. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Amen, amen. I'm so thankful that I can't escape his presence. Even when I want to, I can't escape his presence. I said even when I try to, I can't escape his presence. 
David said, if I ascend into heavens, you're there. And if I make my bed in hell, you're there. I said, I'm thankful even when I get upset with, even when I try to, he's there. Amen. I'm thankful he's there. Amen. Put down your Bibles, lift up your hands. We're going to preach by the help of the Lord today. Let's ask God to bless it right now. God, we thank you. We love you. We praise your mighty name, Jesus. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this people, Lord. I'm asking for your anointing. I'm asking for your help right now, Jesus. Come on, let's praise him. God, we need you, Jesus. We need you right now. Come on, he's the difference maker. Lord, we need you right now to fill this place. Prepare your heart and mind. Anoint my mouth, God. Anoint my mind. Speak to your people, God. Touch us, use us for your purpose, God. We'll give you the glory and honor. We thank you. We love you. Come on, let's magnify him together. One more good hand clap of praise and a shout. God, we love you. Come on, a good praise. We love you, Jesus. Come on, how many is thankful for the presence of the Lord? I'm thankful I can't run from him. I'm thankful I can't hide from him. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Come on, let's just praise him right now. Do I have a witness in this place before we preach? Anybody ever, did he ever reach down to you and he refines you? Hallelujah. Aren't you thankful he found you in some rough places, in some dark places? Amen, amen. I'm going to preach by the help of the Lord today from this thought. He still wants you. He still wants you. You can be seated today. Thank you for standing. <clears throat> there is a misconception that seems to be uh, conveyed as a biblical principle that I, I feel needs to be addressed. It's the concept that you and I are somehow expendable or replaceable in the kingdom of God. Now, I'm not saying or suggesting that if you completely refuse to follow or serve the Lord that your position won't be filled. But what I am saying is that you, your giftings, your talents, your abilities, your anointing is uniquely imparted unto you and you alone. Amen. God didn't make a bunch of robots. Amen. We are all fearfully and wonderfully made. We all have a purpose. There are things that only you can do. I said, there are things that only you can do. There are people that only you can impact. Jesus repeatedly went out of his way to reach one person. Why? Because we are all, everybody say all, special to him. All of us have a place that he designed for us to fill. Amen. There are replaceables, amen, that, that, that uh, the world tries to, to say that, that, uh, well, if you don't do it, somebody else will. And I understand that. I understand that concept. And I, I'm not trying to, 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 to completely destroy that because God, God will use people. But God spoke to a, a, a donkey one day because this man wasn't listening. Now, he could have just wiped the man out. But he said, no, I want to use him. Amen. I said, there are people that are replaceable, but they usually have to go through great lengths. Notice how God didn't tell them to appoint another disciple. 
They decided to do that. They decided to add somebody, but God picked Judas. Amen. God has a plan and purpose for every one of our lives. We are not irreplaceable. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're not irreplaceable. You have a place not only in the kingdom of God, but in this church. Amen. In this hour. God has designed for each and every one of us here today to have a position, a place. Amen. Amen, somebody. I don't know. I don't know who. I, I, I already feel it. Amen. The Holy Ghost right now. But I'm telling you right now, there is nobody in this place. Uh, amen. That, that, that ir, is irreplaceable. You have a special position in the kingdom of God that he designed while you were in your mother's womb to feel. And don't let the enemy tell you that you don't have a place or position or, or part in the kingdom of God. Amen. It doesn't matter how small it is. It doesn't matter how insignificant it is. It doesn't matter who or what you touch. God put his anointing on you to fill that place. There are irreplaceables that are found in the Bible. See, society said they're replaceable. There's a woman at the well that had five husbands, and the one she was with was, wasn't her husband. But Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria. He said, I must needs go through Samaria to find that one woman. Everybody say she was irreplaceable. He knew that one woman that nobody wanted. He knew that one woman that society was shunning was the very one that was going to bring a whole nation to the, to, to, to the realization that Jesus Christ was the Messiah. I'm telling you, there's nobody that's irreplaceable. No matter what value the world puts on you, no matter what identity the world puts on you, Brother Williams, there is nobody that's irreplaceable in the kingdom of God. Uh, God could have picked any Samaritan. He could have picked some good Samaritans. Uh, amen. He even talked about a good Samaritan, but he overlooked the good Samaritan to find the woman at the well because he wanted her to know, listen, society may want you replaced. Uh, your husbands may want you replaced, uh, but you are irreplaceable in my eyes. And he found her. Everybody say he found her. The wild man of Gadara, the Bible says, Jesus said, we got to go to the other side to find this crazy demon-possessed man that cuts himself and breaks chains and howls at the moon and and, and is crazy. He is the, uh, he's the boogeyman of Gadara. Nobody goes up there. Don't go around him. But Jesus said, I'm going there. I'm going there because I want the demoniac to know that he is irreplaceable in my sight. He's got a purpose for me no matter what the world says, no matter what the world tells us. He is irreplaceable. He's got a purpose in my life. And if I have to go through troubled seas, if I have to go through storms to get there, I'm going to get there because this boy needs to know you are irreplaceable in my sight. You've got value. You've got purpose in my life. The world may say you don't, but I'm telling you do. you got a purpose in my life. Amen, somebody. Apostle Peter. Apostle Peter betrays the Lord, denies the Lord, but he came looking for him, and he found him on a boat. When Peter thought that he had made too big of a mistake. Is it you, Lord? He came looking for Peter on that boat in Galilee. I'm so thankful that I can't run from his presence. I said, I'm so thankful I can't run from his presence. The apostle Paul wrecked havoc on the church. He was Saul at the time, but he wrecked havoc 
on the church. But he was going down to Damascus Road, and Jesus said, I've got to find him. I said, I've got to find him. Somebody say it with me. He still wants me. I got to find Saul because he's just a little misguided right now. He's got a good heart. He's, he, wants, he, wants, he wants to serve me. He, he's zealous for me. He's got some desires uh, that I wish everybody would get a hold of. He's got an impact. He can help somebody. He can change somebody. He's just a little misguided right now. I'm so thankful that when I was going in the wrong direction, when you were going in the wrong direction, God saw enough value in us that says, uh, I've got to do something to stop him. i got to do something to intervene. I still want him. He's still got a purpose in my life. Yeah, I know he's been wrecked in the church. Uh, I know he's been coming against us. Uh, I know he's trying to stop progress, uh, but he's got purpose in him. Uh, he's got a purpose on him. He's got a calling on his life. Uh, and you may not see it now, Peter, but you go. Uh, you go talk to him. You help him because there is a calling on Saul's life. I'm so thankful that he interrupted my plans. And he came looking for me. He still wants me. Still wants me. Thomas said, until I see the scars, I'm not going to believe he's risen. God could have said, I don't need him in my group. I don't need somebody that doubts. I'm so thankful God looks at our unbelief and says, I'm not going to cast you off because you don't believe. I don't know about you, but I've been in places before where I've had unbelief come in my life. I've had situations that caused me and my faith to be shaken. I don't know about you, but I've had moments where I questioned what was going on, God. And I'm so thankful, Sister Earlene, that he didn't throw me off. But he said, no, I want you still. You still have a purpose, Thomas. You're still part of this. And even though Thomas didn't believe, even though Thomas said, I'm not going to believe until I touch him, until I put my hands in his scar, uh, see the scars, and put my hand on his side, I will not believe. And all of a sudden, Jesus walks right through a wall and says, here I am, Thomas. I still want you. I wish you would have believed me before, but that's all right. I still want you. And you have your story. You have your place when God came looking for you. When God showed up. Sometimes that place or that calling puts us in difficult positions. It's not always going to be easy, even though God called you to do it. Jonah, the Bible says, went down. I don't want to sound too simple-minded here, but every time you decide to run away from what God told you to do, it is a downward path. I said every time you run away from what God told you to do, it is a downward path. You can't run from God and go up. Amen. I know that's simple. That's elementary, but it's truth. I can't run from God. I can't go away from God and expect God to bless me. Amen. But I'm so thankful he didn't give up on me. I'm so thankful he didn't throw me off. Amen, somebody. But for good reason, Jonah, it seemed, had a very good reason to leave. I mean, Nineveh was a great city. And their wickedness came up before the Lord. The only other time in Scripture that a city's evil doings were reaching heaven was when God came down to investigate Sodom and Gomorrah. God visited that city, but he sent Jonah to Nineveh. 
The word overthrown in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 4 is directly connected to the word overthrown that describes the fate of Sodom and Gomorrah. So in other words, church, it was a bad place. Jonah doesn't just run from the word of God or the calling of God. He's running from the presence of God. Let me help somebody right now. That's why the enemy wants to keep people out of church. Because if you stay in the presence of God long enough, your purpose, your calling will keep echoing in your mind. Amen. So that's why I said it last week. We need to make sure every chance we get we're in the house of God. Why? Because it's that calling. It's that election that I'm trying to make sure. It's that getting close to him. Amen. It's that, it's that knowing him and understanding him that's going to push me to what my, my purpose is in life. So the enemy likes to keep us out. Of the presence of God keeps us unfaithful, keeps us busy. Everybody say, but the Lord. Verse 4, he sent out, or as the NLT version states, he hurled out a great wind into the sea so that the ship was like to be broken. God knows how to get our attention. I said, God knows how to get our attention, but what you would think got Jonah's attention actually caused him just to sleep. Jonah sleeps while the mariners are going crazy. You might be able to rest in disobedience, but your decision has caused hardship to everyone around you. Jonah then confesses. They begin to try to figure out what's going on, and they finally realize that it was Jonah Amen. It was Jonah. Jonah said, it's me. Everybody say confession is good, but repentance has to happen. Amen. Verse 17 of the book of Jonah says, now the Lord had prepared a great fish. Amen. He knows the way I take. Even in disobedience, God is preparing things to get me in the right path. Come on, you didn't hear me. I said, even in disobedience, God is preparing things to get me in the right path. God sent out the wind, and God prepared the fish. Amen. Sometimes in our life, we don't understand what's going on. We don't understand why it's getting harder and harder. It's at that moment we must pause and say, God, are you trying to get my attention? Are you trying to let me know I'm going the wrong direction? I'm going down the wrong path. Again, I am so thankful that God prepared things in my life when I didn't know where I was going. He knew the way I took. He knew the way I was going. He understood the end. He understood the path that I was on, and he prepared things. I'm thankful this morning that God prepared things. I'm thankful that God showed up. I'm thankful that I couldn't run from his presence. I'm thankful that he made a way. From the fish's belly, Jonah says, I'm in hell now. Three days and three nights. But remember, God prepared the fish. He's doing it because he loves you. He's doing it because he wants you. And he wants you saved. I'm telling somebody right here, you are not irreplaceable. God loves you. 
And if I can portray one thing, if I can convey one thing this morning, I pray it's the love of God that wants to reach down and tell you that he's got a beautiful plan for your life. Amen. If you'll just submit to him, if you'll just follow him, if you'll just throw everything else aside, if you'll let go of all the things that are holding on to you, amen, all your reasons for not going after him. If you'll let all that go today and say, God, I'm going to follow you with everything I've got, I promise you that he's going to help you. I promise you he's going to be real to you. I promise you he's going to make things, uh, amen, easy for you, for him. Amen. I believe there's a space of grace. Life isn't always going to be easy, but there's a space of grace uh, that when you say, God, I'm sorry, he steps in and he calms the storms. He gives you the strength. He gives you the encouragement. He gives you the hope that it's going to turn. He gives you a glimpse of, hey, if I follow after you, God, this is what I can expect. I'm telling you, those that don't have any peace this morning, you can leave here with peace. If you don't have any joy here, you can leave here with joy. You can leave here. Why? Because there is a God that said, I still want you. I know you're bringing me baggage. I know you're bringing me heartache. I know you're bringing me pain. But I like to take the broken things and make it good. I like to take the hurt things and make it good. If you'll let him, he will touch you today. He still wants you. There were other messengers God could have sent, but he chose Jonah. Amen. I don't want to ever lose the value of God choosing me. I said, I don't want to. There's what, seven, eight billion people in the world? I don't want to ever lose the value of God choosing me. It's special, it's precious. Jonah 2 and 9, but I will sacrifice unto thee with a voice of thanksgiving. I will pay that that I have vowed. He's making a promise, amen. I guess if you're in the belly of a fish, you'd probably make some promises too. Amen. If you're out there at Keystone Lake, Scott took Lake and big old fish came up and swallowed you. Amen. You didn't die. You're just sitting there chilling out in its belly. You might want to... You might want to make some promises. Okay, God, if you'll get me out of here. <laughs> Amen. You might not be in a fish, but I'm telling you, you've been in a mess. I said, you might not be in a fish, but you've been in a mess. You've been in situations where you need God to step in and help you and deliver you. I'm thankful for the moments that God created things for me, prepared things for me to get my attention so I can understand that, hey, I'm going the wrong way. I, I didn't mean to do this to you, God. I'm sorry. I'm going I'm I'm to do what you asked me to do. I'm going to change my course. I'm going to change my way. I'm going to do what you asked me to do. God, I promise you'll get me out of here. Come on, has anybody ever made God promises right in the middle of your mess? I have. God, if you'll just bless me, I promise. God, if you'll just, if you'll just be kind to me, I promise. I promise. I'm so thankful he don't cast us off. I'm so thankful he's long-suffering because I've made some promises. And Jonah makes a promise. God, I will do what you ask me to do. I will pay that that I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. Only you can do it, God. And the Bible says, and the Lord spake unto the fish. Now, I hope you're awake enough right now because this is a praise break moment. 
Because God controls how long I'm in the belly of the fish. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, this is a praise break moment right now because God prepared the fish, but God spoke to the fish. Amen. God knows how long I'm going to be in the belly of the fish. The moment he sees my correct response, I'm coming out. I'm preaching hope to somebody right now because you're in the belly of a fish. You don't see any way out of it, but if you'll give yourself to God right now and say, God, I'm sorry, and the Lord spake unto the fish, God determines when I'm getting out of the situation. God's determining when I'm coming through this. It's not the fish. It's not the trial. It's not the storm. They're not in control of me. God is the one that's in control of my life. And so when he sees my right response, I'm coming out of there. I'm getting out of there. He's speaking to some fish this morning saying, if you'll turn to me, I'll get you out of your situation. Somebody shout out with me. He still wants me. I'm in the belly of the fish, but he's still calling me. I'm in the belly of the fish. I'm in the belly of hell, but God still wants me. I'm coming out. I said, I'm coming out. Come on, somebody. I said, I'm coming out. When God decides that I'm coming out, there's no chains. There's no addictions. There's no problems. There's no past. There's no situation. There's no heartache. There's no sorrow. There's nothing that can separate me from the love of God. When he wants me to come out, I'm coming out. When he wants me to get free, I have no choice but to be free. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. I'm coming out. When God says I'm coming out. And the Bible says, Jonah chapter 3, the Lord spake unto the fish and vomited out on Jonah upon the dry ground. Verse 10 of chapter 2. Verse 3, though, and the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time. I believe somebody here today needs to hear this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time. To every person here that thought your mistake was too big. To every person that believed their failure was final. To every dreamer that's still waiting for it to happen. For every prayer you've ever prayed without answer. For every valley you've ever had to walk through. And every mountain you've had to climb. I'm here to tell somebody the word of the Lord is coming to you a second time. That may not mean anything to you, but when you mess up, when you feel like God doesn't want you, when you feel like you're in the belly of hell, amen, there's no way out, and all of a sudden God gets you out of that place, there's nothing sweeter than God speaking to you. That moment your, your flesh hits the sore, that moment you come out of that, you're covered in vomit, you're covered in all the past and the shame and the sins of life, and God speaks to you. I don't know about you, but that's awful encouraging. That sure is exciting to know that when I'm in my dirtiest, filthiest situation and and, 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 and look like God's not going to get me out of this and I get out of it and then God speaks to me that gets me excited that lets me know that my mistake wasn't final my mistake wasn't even the end of me that somehow through all this God still has a purpose for me I haven't forgot about you Jonah I still haven't got, forgotten about what I called you to do hear the word of the Lord somebody this morning God is not finished with you God is not finished with your life he's speaking a second time he's giving you another chance even though you feel like your chances have been spent 
the word of the Lord came a second time. So glad moments when, when he speaks to me after I failed him. Oh, you didn't hear me. I said, I'm so thankful for moments that when he speaks to me after I failed him. Still didn't hear me. I said, I'm so thankful for moments that God speaks to me after I failed him. I'm so thankful the word of the Lord. I'm so thankful this, this portion of scriptures in this book. No, I'm not excusing sin. Should we continue in sin that grace abound? No, God forbid. But I'm telling you, we have all sinned. We've all messed up. We've all prayed and you don't feel anything. We've all prayed and you wonder if he's even listening to you. We've all done things wrong and you feel so ashamed and you feel so wrong. But there's nothing sweeter than when you ask God to forgive you, when you ask God to help you, when you ask God to touch you one more time and you feel the anointing of God come upon you. You feel that, that, that sweet presence fall on you. Oh, man, I felt it this morning today when they first started singing. I was in the office. And I see in those videos and in, in, in the camera, I mean, I saw people's hands lifted up. I'm so glad he found me. I'm so glad he saved me. I'm so glad he reads for me. Amen. I'm not perfect. I've needed him yesterday. I needed him last week. I needed him last year. I needed him for all my life. And I'm thankful that he spoke to me again and again saying, I love you. I'm not through with you. I'm not finished with you. Yeah, you messed up, but we can get this fixed. We can get this right and we can go on I'm thankful for second words God's not finished with you this morning you're not irreplaceable it would have been easy for God to say you know what forget you you want to do that fine you want to run from my presence and my calling? Go ahead and try it. I'll get somebody else. I'm so glad God doesn't look that, act that way and treat me that way. Since early and I'm so glad he looks beyond my faults. And he sees my need. Amen, somebody. The powerful, liberating, yoke-destroying word of God. Amen. Is wanting to reach to somebody again for the second time this morning. The word was spoken. Jonah arises and he goes to Nineveh and he compels the people. He preaches to the people. It says 40 days and Nineveh is going to be overthrown. Again, that's the same word that was in, that was pronounced over Sodom and Gomorrah. 40 days. And it's over. Jonah runs, gets him some popcorn, sits on a cliff with a Coke Zero, and he's watching to see what happens. He's watching to see what God's about to do. Somebody say it with me. Repentance still works. And Jonah's sitting there watching 
this city and he's expecting destruction. But the Bible says, the king said, let's go on a fast. I don't want anybody to taste anything. No flock, no herd, no beast. Don't feed them, not even a drink of water. Let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and, and cry mightily unto God. Yea, let them turn every one from his evil way, from the violence that is in their hands. Who can tell if God, aren't you thankful there's an if God moment in your life? I'm so thankful that when I repented, God said, hey, it's going to be all right. Because verse 10 says, and God saw their works. Amen. And he refused to do what he said. I'm telling you one thing. Amen. And it's one thing when judgment's on you, but it's another thing when you feel the wrath of God pulled off and mercy touches you and grace touches you. And he's saying, I know you're evil. I know you're corrupt. I know it's wicked, but you repented and I'm going to help you. I'm so thankful God still wants me. God, I'm so thankful that, hey, this is the only other time that scripture says that it reached heaven, but God saw their works and they said, I want to make it right. I want to do it right. I want to be pleasing to God and God repented of the evil. He said, I'm not going to do that to them. And he did not. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly. And he was very angry. You see, this story about Jonah is more than just a fish. It's about a man running from the call of God and God exposing Jonah's heart. I said, God exposing Jonah's heart. It was just a few days ago that Jonah said, I'll do what you asked me to do, Jesus. I'll, I'll, I'll submit to it, Jesus. And the Bible says, just a few verses later, that Jonah's angry because people repented. Now, Nineveh, they said, had a population of 120,000 people. 120,000 people repented over one man's message that he didn't even want to see happen. He was just obeying what God said. Amen. He was just trying to get on God's good side. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that God's grace is not any respecter of persons. Amen. God can use merciless messengers to help somebody. Amen. We may not. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful that the right response to the word of God, even from somebody who doesn't care whether you live or die, I'm so thankful the right response can change the mind of God. And that's what happened. But it displeased Jonah. Jonah said, no, no, no. I knew you were going to do this. I knew you were going to do this. I knew, I knew. And what he said in verse 12 of Jonah chapter 4, for I knew that thou art a gracious God and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and repentest thee of evil. I don't know about you, but that, that's the kind of God I want to serve. I want to serve somebody that looks at 120,000 people that repent and say, oh, I'm not going to do it to them. I love them. I'm so thankful they repented. I'm so thankful they turned. As such were some of you, I'm so thankful that God stepped in in the moments that I failed him and said, I see something worth saving and I'm going to touch them but now the story shifts and it's just Jonah now 120,000 people repent and Jonah's angry that would be like the city of Broken Arrow repenting and coming to church here would y'all be upset but Jonah was upset 
You didn't hear me. The city of Broken Arrow says, hey, I'm sorry. We're going to first church. And Brother Williams say, well, that, I don't like that. Or me say, that's stupid. But that's what happened. 120,000 people say, I'm sorry. They turn and God touches them and repents of the evil and said, it's okay. It's going to be all right. And Jonah's angry. Yeah. It's probably butter flavor too. And he's angry. He's upset. You know why? Let me help you. There's two reasons why Jonah was upset. Number one was pride. Because Jonah expected destruction, but God showed mercy instead. Therefore, Jonah was embarrassed. When our message, and our, well, let me say it like this. When our motives behind our message is wrong, we're going to be embarrassed. I said, when our motives behind our message are wrong, we're going to be embarrassed. And Jonah was embarrassed because his motives were wrong. He was hoping God would wipe them out. He ran from them, and then somehow God delivered him. He got enough boldness to say, I'm going to preach the word that you said to me, God. And he preaches the word, and because God hears the repentance, he changes it, and Jonah gets embarrassed. I'm telling you, his motives were not right. His motives were wrong. God tests my motives and makes sure. I, hey amen. I've, I've said it before. I preached hell before. Amen. But I want to preach it where I, 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 people understand I want them saved. I don't want you lost. You don't have to go there. You don't have to be lost. God, try my motives. Try my reins. When I preach the word of God, let it be with love and compassion. I understand there's going to be conviction. I understand there's wrong. I understand you're going to feel sorry. You're going to feel wrong. But God, let me preach it in love. Let my motives match my message. Let my motives back up my message. Let my motives push my message. Let my motives confirm my message. I can't preach Jesus and him help you and me get angry. Amen. I said, I can't preach Jesus and him save you and me get disgusted and me get upset. No, but when I preach Jesus and he fixes your mess, that's reason for me to shout. That's reason for me to dance. That's reason for me to run. It doesn't matter what you've done to me. It doesn't matter how you've hurt me. If God touches you, that's reason for me to shout. Why? Because my motives are pure. I want God to bless you. He still wants you. And I've got to make sure my motives match my message. It was pride because his motives were wrong. Why were his motives wrong? Because of bitterness. Let me explain to you. Nineveh was the capital city of the Assyrian Empire. The same empire found in 2 Kings that laid siege on, on Jerusalem. There was no love lost between Israel and the people of Nineveh. They were bitter enemies. The prophetic book of Nahum is an Israelite taunting song over Nineveh's destruction by the Babylonians. It's very possible, listen to me, even likely that Jonah's family was killed or captured in the story of 2 Kings. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's about to preach to me. Because no matter what happened in your life, no matter what transpires in your life, you better let it go. Because it's going to distort your purpose. And, and Jesus looked into Jonah's life and loved him enough 
that he said, I got to fix you. You preach, people got saved, and you got mad. I got to deal with you a little bit more. And the Bible says, Jonah's sitting up there, and he sees, listen to me. Is this all right? He sees these people repent. And he says, therefore now, O Lord, take, I beseech thee, my life from me. It is better for me to die than to live. If you can't see good out of people repenting, if your enemies and God's blessing on them and God turning his wrath into mercy on them, amen, doesn't provoke you to thank him, doesn't recount your belly of of the fish that you were in, it's amazing how quickly we, 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 we overlook our failures to find somebody else's faults. And Jonah just got through spit up by a fish, but now he's sitting there saying, Oh, God, just take my life because I can't stand these Ninevites being saved. That's bitterness. And I'm preaching to somebody here today, don't let, the, don't let the, the, the root of bitterness to get inside of you and twist things around where you get joy and you get excitement and you get expectation on somebody's wrath and destruction. Amen. Falling on God's wrath and destruction falling on somebody. Amen. He said, I wish that I was just dead. I wish it is better for me to live or to die than to live. And the Lord said, does it do you well to be angry? Is this going to help you at all, Jonah, to be angry? Jonah went out of the city, sat on the east side of the city, and there made him a booth, and sat under it in the shadow till he might see what would become of the city. He's still expecting God to do something. Everybody say, and the Lord God prepared. He prepared a gourd and made it to come up over Jonah that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. So Jonah was exceeding glad of the gourd. He's sitting there hoping that God's going to kill a nation. And he's getting a little hot. And God creates this little gourd to cover him from the heat of the day. And Jonah says, oh, thank you, Jesus. Don't allow our little blessings, don't allow our little things that God does for us to make us think that he's somehow okay with our bitterness. Because if we don't empty everything out, if we don't give everything to him. I don't know why God prompted me to preach this this morning, but I'm telling you, if you allow that bitterness and that hurt and that pain to keep 
itself harboring in your heart, it's going to kill you. It's going to destroy you. It's going to make you not even see the goodness of God that he's doing on people's lives. It's going to only let you see the bitterness that caused you to resent them and hate them from the beginning. And Jonah's sitting there looking at a people that's praised God, repented, and God's repented of the evil, said, I'm not doing it. And he's rejoicing over a gourd that God prepared more so than he is over 120,000 people, amen, that just repented of their sins. I'm telling you right now, bitterness has a way of making everything that looks like it should be something rejoiceful, amen, look, make it look like, oh, I'm not going to get excited about that. Bitterness has a way of corrupting beautiful things and, and making you not look at the beautiful things God is doing and somehow think that it's okay to justify the small things. I'm saying again, don't allow the little blessings God does just because he loves you, amen, uh, convolute and mess up your thinking, amen, not realize what God's doing on the bigger picture. He's saving people. He's rescuing people, amen, but Jonah, he's got to help you you because this bitterness can't live in you any longer and I'm preaching to somebody's situation right now I'm preaching to your hurt and pain right now I'm preaching to your disappointments right now because God lo loves you enough because you are irreplaceable to him and you cannot allow that bitterness to grow you cannot allow that hurt and pain and rejection to fester. Everybody is in here had a wound or a hurt or something in your life. It's amazing how when you get something, even a small little cut or small little splinter, it's amazing how often you hit it. I'm hoping I'm hitting some blisters this morning. I'm hoping I'm hitting some splinters this morning. There's some things in your life that God wants to take out of you. There's some hurt that you don't need to leave this place with any longer. There's some pain that you don't need to leave this place with any longer. Amen. I understand people did you wrong. I understand people hurt you. Jonah, I understand. They took maybe some of your family, killed them, but you've got to let it go. Everybody, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you've got to let it go. You're not designed to leave and walk in this, uh, in, this, in this called life that God has placed on you. Amen. With bondage and baggage and things and weights and sins and problems. God wants you free. God wants you delivered. God wants you restored. And no matter what he's got to do, Jonah, I've got to get your attention. It's not about Nineveh. Listen, Jonah said, I knew who you were. I knew all I had to do is preach the word. And if they ask you to forgive them, you'd do it because that's the kind of God you are. But this bitterness was keeping me from preaching. This bitterness was keeping me from reaching people. I pray right now that God eliminates the pain in your life and hurt in the memory that you can go forward and be the God, the kind of child of God that he created you to be. There are people that are waiting on you to get through your pain and through your past and through your hurt. There are people this morning that are crying out for you to let it go, to ask God to forgive you, to cleanse you because you're the only one that can reach them. You're the only one that can help them. And Jonah, don't you understand? This calling is deep. I've got to pull it out of you because you're worth saving. You're my messenger. God's placed you here today to uproot some stuff out because you've got a purpose. You are not replaceable. Your mistakes is what God's wanting to use, Jonah. Your pain, your past is what God's wanting to use. Don't use that as an excuse to not do what God called you to do.
I want you to stand with me today. The Lord prepared a gourd, made it come up over Jonah, that it might be a shadow over his head to deliver him from his grief. Isn't God beautiful? He wanted them to suffer. And he preached a message he didn't mean. He preached mercy and he didn't want to see it. He preached forgiveness and he didn't want to give it. But I'm telling you right now, God is expecting you to let everything go. He's expecting you to pour your heart out to him. He's expecting you today to let him in where you haven't let anybody in. I'm going to re get real clear right now to somebody in your, in your life. You have some dark, dark pain. And it's affected you in every relationship. It's affected you in every aspect of your life. But God still wants you. And he still loves you. And he's allowed, and might I say, he's prepared things in your path. Some of it was hurtful. Some of it put you in difficult positions. Some of the storms that rose up over your life, you didn't know how you would get out of it. But God prepared it. Why? Because he understood inside of you, there's still that little girl. There's still that young man that one day long ago said, I'll do anything you want me to, Jesus. I don't know Jonah's life before this, and we don't know it after this. We just have a little glimpse. We just have a little bitty story of Jonah's life. But when you see the anger, and you see the resentment, and you see the players involved, you can kind of put pieces together. I can see Jonah as a little boy following after the prophet. I want to be like him one day. I can see little Jonah following after the church people saying, I want to be like them one day. I can see little Jonah tagging along, going to the tabernacle, peeking in when he can. But like life is, pain happens. Like life does. At some point, maybe he heard the stories of how the Ninevites came in and took your great-grandpa. Maybe he saw firsthand some of the pain. And it allowed something to grow in Jonah. 
And this story really wasn't about a fish. It's really not about a people. It's about God saying, boy, I still love you. And I still want you. And no matter the pain that's been caused in your life, if you'll let me, if you'll open it up, if you'll let yourself be that little boy all over again, if you'll have that childlike faith to say, I believe God. I understand you have disappointments today. I understand you've had heartache. I understand you've had pain. Every one of us have. Unfortunately, that's just life. Unfortunately, that's just life. But there's a God right now that's prepared things in your life to get you to this point. Because there's no accidents with God. Oh, you may have came because somebody invited you, but God prepared it. You may have drove by and saw the sign, but God put it in your head. You may have woke up this morning and wondered what you're going to do, but God stepped in and said, I know what you're going to do because I love you and I want to fix you. I want to help you. I don't want you to carry that baggage anymore. So if you will right now, I'm opening up these altars, but I want somebody to lift up your hands right now. God prepared the gourd. And Jonah was happy because there for a brief moment I get some relief from this heat. But God also prepared the worm, the next verse says. And that worm came up and ate up the gourd during the middle of the night. When Jonah woke up the next morning, the gourd's gone. And he's weeping and crying over the gourd. I'm telling you, that's what bitterness and pain does. It makes you sorrowful over trivial things. It makes you overlook the deep things, what God's really doing. Because that pain and that bitterness is so real. That hurt is so real. I'm asking you to go back in your mind right now to the moment that you first got hurt. Can we pray, church? Can you let me walk in the Holy Ghost for a little bit right now? I want somebody right now to lift up your hands. And I want you to go back to the moment in your life, wherever it was, whatever it was, where the first hurt happened. Where the innocence of, innocence of your youth was violated. And I want you to say, God, I forgive them. Come on, lift your hands right now. This story is not about a people. It's not about a fish. It's about God dealing with one man saying, hey, you're, you're still worth it. You still got purpose. I'm preaching to somebody right now. Your mistakes, they're not, they're, they're not your identity. Amen. Your mistakes are not final. I understand you dropped the ball. I understand you messed up. I understand you allow the hurt and pain to fester and grow and build. And I understand all that. But if you'll lift up your hands right now, if you will do this, if you will step out and come up here and let this church and myself pray for you, you will not have to leave here. I understand you can pray where you're at, and that's all fine and good. But there's something about stepping out and saying, God, I'm coming to you. I'm coming to you and saying, I can't do it on my own anymore. I'm sorry. Will somebody step out right now and come? Will somebody step out and let God fix you? Let God heal you? God determines when your storm's over. God's just looking for the right response. He can fix it in a moment. He can fix it in an instant. 
Come on, come, come. Come on, come. Come on, come. The woman with the alabaster box came. She didn't have anything to offer him, but she said, I still got to come to him. I got nothing but baggage. I got nothing but shame, but I'm still coming to him. There's something powerful that happens when we come to him and say, Jesus, here's my gift. Here's my offering. Here's my pain. Come on, right now. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Yeah, yeah. Lift your hands. Church, I want you to walk in the Holy Ghost right now. I want you to pray with people right now. Come on, I want you to pray with somebody right now. Come on, I want you to pray with somebody right now. Come on, right now. We're fixing to pray for people all across this building. God's moving. God's moving. Pray for somebody right now. God's wanting to fix you. He's wanting to fix you. And guess what? It's okay to say, God, I'm broken. It hurt me. Come on, it's okay to say, God, it hurt me. It wasn't right. Come on, praise him right now. Praise him right now. Come on, pray, pray, pray. church right now. Praise him right now.
Come on, praise him right now. Come on. 